Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, show about comic book movies approached from every angle and a community of nerds discussing how fiction relates to nonfiction. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, shit, James Gallagher-Hutzma, and the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week, we continue our journey, exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, science, or demons, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. I don't believe in the devil. He should. He believes in you. Constantine. And yes, there will be spoilers. And yes, there will be gross coughing sounds. <laughs> and yes, there will be a drunk Michael. Uh, <laughs> again. Again. Or still? Or <laughs> Which is it? Super uh, fans speculate on Twitter. Please, am I an alcoholic or not? Tell me. I need an intervention. I mean... <laughs> First opinions, first first opinions. Let's start out with with Ben. I want to start with Ben's first opinion on this. Uh, Constantine the movie, by the way, not NBC's television show. That will come later, probably October. But go ahead, Ben. Constantine 2004. Constantine 2004 the movie. Constantine the first movie. What can I say about it? It was pretty good. Um, I rather liked it. You know, it, it, it kind of falls in the camp of... Mid two thousands. I've said this so many times, but it's it's one of those bad action movies from the mid two thousands. Constantine two thousand five. Apologize, listeners. Oh, right, your fault. Um, but this is a lot 
better than most because it has a plot you can follow. It's not ugly to look at for the most part. And uh, my cat is doing something. What's he doing? Oh, no, he's being a bad boy. Emerson, no! That's your mother's antique chair. We can't scratch that. That's not your scratching post, buddy. <laughs> this is Extra your scratching post your right here. He just he just wants to go to the underworld. No, he knows he's being a bad boy. Have you stared into that cat's eyes yet and visited hell? I might I might tweet a picture of that cat because he is cute, but he's being a bad boy right now. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? Maybe this just contrasts with the Electric Catwoman and uh, Blade Trinity by being watchable, but I rather enjoyed it. And that's about all I have to say. Uh, popcorn? Popcorn, popcorn Skyler? Yeah, you were saying earlier that uh, this might be another intoxicast for you, Michael. I can understand why you put this one next to Catwoman, because I hate this movie so much. This is... Okay, rewind. This is the first for me. Not only had I not seen this movie before this podcast, I directly came from watching this movie into this podcast, so it's incredibly fresh for me. For some reason, because I struggle to remember a more flat, bland, ugly-looking, characterless movie in recent memory, uh, it definitely rings true of the kind of mid-2000s super special effects dark action movies, but I don't recall those with much fondness, so... I guess in that case, this one falls right in line. Popcorn Michael. All right. Skylar hated this movie, and I really don't know why. Uh, actually, I do know why. There are some specifics. Keanu Reeves may not be the best Constantine pick. He is bland. Yes. There's a reason they call him a cracker. But And it's not because he's white. <laughs> but what's funny is, like, there are still times when I think he pulls off that blandness to a point of, like, believability, if that's weird to say, in certain scenes where it's just, like, you never you never felt like Keanu Reeves was not giving his best, right? He was He's like, I'm going to be faceless with this character. He's going to be cynical all the time, and I'm going to stick to those guns. Yeah, that's what I saw. Unfortunately, it made the character a bit one-dimensional, uh, two-dimensional, I guess. I'm not a critic, so I can't really tell the difference. But I liked the fact that this movie had a plot, right? We just come off of Catwoman. We just come off of Elektra, Blade Trinity. And this movie had a point A to point B, and it makes it all refreshing, in a way, because I, I followed the entire way through. I could understand what the characters were doing, and more importantly, I mostly understood why. Yes, I understood why the characters were doing every action that they were doing, for the most part. The end of third act problems, definitely. Third act problems, most certainly. But until those moments, you were like, I get it. This is some, some stellar, you established the rules... You've stayed within the rules, and now you're going to provide some heaven-hell, Judeo-Christian, apocalyptic action thriller shit, and I'll dig it. I'll dig it for now. It kept me entertained. I didn't want to shut it off at any point. 
and that's more than I can say about Catwoman. I thought I was going to have to play Pokemon while watching this on my emulator on my phone, but I didn't have to. Ooh, I so that's give... like the best endorsement I can give a movie, because yeah. I didn't play video games while watching it. I will give the movie this. Uh, before I sat down and watched it, I visited the Wikipedia plot summary just to get an idea of what's going to go on. And it's so, so much more convoluted and complicated in written form than it is just watching the movie. So way to take like a super muddy-sounding plot and make it somewhat understandable. Yeah, I was never lost during this film until the end. Until the end. But that's all we got for First Opinions. No fancy segues here. Let's get on to money. Let's look at that production budget. $100 million? 2005? A cool 100 mil for the production budget in 2005. Which, I guess, technically 2004 because it came out in February. Tit for tat. What it brought in was 75.9 million dollars in the u.s that's pretty good well eh, it's below um, average that's below average yeah had it not brought in 154.9 million uh from foreign grosses to uh, get to a total of 230.8 million it probably would have been a bomb just by u.s standards I'm so surprised that this movie didn't get a sequel with those numbers. We've seen comic book movies with more atrocious numbers than that, a.k.a. Kick-Ass and Fantastic Four, get sequels. But Constantine, no-go. Yeah, I honestly just I can't speak to that. I mean, it was in... Okay, we're going to rewind back to early 2005. Um, one of the rarer... R-rated comic book movies. Most people probably didn't even know this was based on a comic book at all. Before that, it was, you know, Blade movies. You had a few sprinkled in there afterwards, like uh, V for Vendetta, whatever. It just, it wasn't a big audience back then. It wasn't a big thing. And like we had said, mid-2000s action movies with the supernatural twist and a bunch of uh, special effects and whatever, Diamond doesn't. Well, this, we had X-Men and Spider-Man. If you ever have to ask anyone where the superhero movie boom stemmed from, it is the combination of X-Men and Spider-Man. All right, Blade was around in the 90s, and we had Superman and Batman way before then, right? But it wasn't until X-Men broke the gates open in, what, 2000, 2001, and we went. Two thousand. Thank you. Two thousand. And then Spider Man. What a year after that. Spider Man one. Two thousand two. Yeah. Two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah. Yeah. Back to back blockbuster successes of characters very strictly based on comic book shit. All right. Like Blade is. You didn't even know that was a comic book character. You thought that was just another vampire movie. And you're like, this is superpower related. Spider-Man, everybody knew who Spider-Man was. I mean, come on. So after that 2002 where it was like confirmed, Spider-Man was a hit after X-Men did it. So this isn't a fluke. We're doing this. That's when we got all these mid-2000 just cash grab bullshits. 
your Daredevils, your Electras, your Catwomans, your V for Vendettas. Catwomen. Yes. And your hey, Constantine. Hey, hey. V for Vendetta is not a cash grab. <laughs> well, it, uh, contestable, in my opinion. But Constantine fits into that category. DC, Vertigo, Imprint, somebody owned this. This was a this was this a Warner Brothers picture? I don't even yes, remember. It was. Okay. If it's if it's DC, it'll be Warner Brothers. Okay. But I mean someone could have bought it and moved it, but they didn't. So Constantine was definitely in Warner Brothers. And and you just had all these mixtures of just like if it's got comic book, we're gonna put it out there. We don't really have any sort of set structure for this yet. All we know is that this subject type sells. And they didn't sell. <laughs> but Constantine did. That's what stuns me. Is Constantine did make money back. And it's got like a fifty percent ish around it's got a much less percent on Rotten Tomatoes, right? But in terms of like in between critics and audience reviews, you can level out around fifty. And it's weird that it didn't get a sequel. It is weird. I don't know exactly what Keanu Reeves did between this movie and the much more awesome Keanu Reeves movie, John Wick. Um, but I know that the director, Francis Lauren, director Francis Lauren, uh, Lawrence, his next movie after this one, I believe, was I Am Legend, the Will Smith post-apocalyptic yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that he could have been on contract to jump right into that one afterwards. Oh, all right. But let's get enough. If you have an answer, super fans, please tell us. Because <laughs> we don't know. We couldn't figure it out. So we're going to move on to the comic book section of this show, hosted by moi. Slightly can't see in straight vision moi. But I could read enough, I think. So here, Constantine is based on, of course, the comic book's Hellblazer uh, by Jamie Delano and John Ridgway, as well as many other artists and writers, in all honesty. But this specific storyline in this movie takes uh, pulls multiple elements from Hellblazer issues 41 through 46, uh, where Constantine learns that no evil demon is out to get him. Uh, there's no spell put upon his body. He's just been smoking like 30 cigarettes a day since he was 14, which led to lung can- cancer by the time he was 35. And he's just got to deal with the fact that he's going to die from lung cancer soon. But instead of, like in the movie, there's this all other mystery hanging about, and he solves that lung cancer bit by redeeming himself and sacrificing his life for another. In the comic book, you see him making deals with all three rulers of hell. In the DC universe, it is important to know that hell is ruled by a triumvirate at first, uh, there's three different pieces of hell that are ruled. So he sells his soul to all three separate entities, Lucifer, the first, the third, whatever. Uh, you'd have to read it. <laughs> but they have to, if they um, if they all claim property of his soul, they would fight and war and hell would be in chaos and heaven would have to swoop down and take care of things. And nobody wants that because angels are dicks. So they all reach a stalemate and say, well, Constantine stays alive until we can find a loophole that kills him and grants us his soul, 
which is a much more clever ending than in the movie, but a lot of context. So let's move on to characters. We've got four characters lined up that have premiered in this Constantine film. Starting with number one, we've got Papa Midnight in Hellblazer number one. Almost everyone came from Hellblazer number one. Keep that in mind. Jamie Delano and John Ridgway, of course, 1988. Papa Midnight. A Jamaican voodoo priest by the name Linton Midnight. Papa Midnight is one soulless motherfucker with a cool-ass name. So magic always requires a sacrifice in Constantine world. For Papa, it was his sister Sedelia, whom he murdered to acquire mystical powers. That's not all, though. He also condemned her to hell and proceeded to pimp her out to demons and devils in order to attain their arcane secrets. He uses this power to create a foothold in Manhattan and even some real estate in Hades itself. Constantine finds ways to acquire Papa's assistance even though they loathe each other because both are only in the game for themselves and know the whole time each of them is only find a w- finding a way to gain the other's power. Good outline there. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, Papa Midnight is basically like the worst person ever. He's kind of a dick, yeah. I didn't get that in- impression in the movie. I just thought he was a dude. Mm-hmm. I'm neutral. We also took to calling him Daddy Midnight when you cut out there, so we read the whole outline, but instead of Papa, we said Daddy, and it sounded... A lot creepier. There's there's some there's some connotations when a person whose name calls himself Daddy pimps out his sister. Uh, yeah. There's just some weird and gross stuff that I don't ever want to think about. To demons. Papa's in it for himself. And devils. So yeah, he does some crude shit if he benefits from it, but he also fights demons if he knows that they're out to get him. Yeah. Next character we've got is Lucifer Morningstar. Premier, or sorry, next character we have is Chaz Chandler. Hellblazer number one. Not the bassist for the animals, but named after him. Chaz is basically Constantine's best bud, best mate, and constantly swindled into becoming the muscle in many of his various schemes. Chaz and John have an odd friendship because of old Chazzy is beholden to John for killing his mother. Let me explain. Uh. (laughs) Chaz's mother, Queenie, is an obese witch. Like, literal witch. Like the the, the pointy hat and the nose. Basically. Dabbles in the dark arts. Uh, The real problem, though, is her familiar, a vile chimpanzee named Slag out to make Chaz's life miserable in any fashion. We're talking like body odor, saying crude things to Chaz's friends when they're around about Chaz. You know, just like, this guy's a child molester. No, I'm not. Well, I mean, who are you going to believe once I accuse you of child molesting? So in order to do this, uh, Constantine shows up at Chaz's door at one point. They take him in as sort of a small hermit. And Constantine decides to help his buddy out uh, by seducing Slag into believing that he loved her. He fucked a chimpanzee? He didn't fuck her. He seduced her. 
in okay. or, in order to lure her down to the docks where he drowned that stupid monkey, and because of a witch's connection to their familiar, Queenie died too. And Chaz, with nothing anchoring him left to his hometown, joins the open road with Constantine as his personal cabbie and pretty much his only real friend. So naturally, the instinct is to have him be Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, they made him more of an apprentice in the film because they didn't. They wanted to really display that Constantine's a loner, right? And it's kind of hard to make your main character a loner for two hours if you give him a best friend. So I got that. But, yeah. Okay, Keanu Reeves and Shia LaBeouf. Can you pick more bland actors? Uh, you mean two actors that just probably won't connect? Yes. I wouldn't call Shia bland. Shia. Shia, sure. Shia LaBeouf. He's got every vowel between those two names, so give him that. LaBeouf. I just had a very strange premonition of, you know that Sia song music video where Shia LaBeouf's in the cage with the girl just doing performance art. What if it had been Keanu Reeves? I don't even want to think about that. Moving on. Next that character. That would be amazing. Let's talk about that some more. No thanks. Next character. Lucifer Morningstar. Premiered in Sandman number 4, 1989, Neil Gaiman and Sam Keith. This is the DC version of The Devil, pretty much. Uh, DC Vertigo. Vertigo, by the way, is a DC imprint. It was just basically, if it's got Vertigo on it, it means it's explicit content. People are going to swear, there's going to be blood, it's going to be darker storylines, all that jazz. Marvel did the same thing with Marvel Max. There's multiple shit like that. Marvel Knights as well. Mm-hmm. So, the DC's comic version of this character is really created and formed in the Sandman series, not the Hellblazer series, uh, before getting a solo set of his own that lasted for 75 issues. Pretty impressive. That's pretty good. Yeah. His version is largely modeled after the Lucifer that appears in John Milton's Paradise Lost poem. Lucy rules over hell after rebelling against his father three seconds after creation. Uh, he is a constant denier of the concept of destiny, <laughs> and sort of proof of that fact, and believes it to be a sham of an idea put into the thoughts of the monkeys that dad made. <laughs> At a certain point, he actually abandons hell, uh, talking to the endless entity Dream, a.k.a. Sandman, saying he has become bored with his existence and that about and that 10 billion years of ruling the underworld is hardly a just punishment for throwing a temper tantrum as an infant so he literally expels everyone and everything from hell demons and damned and then locks it up behind him in order to run a piano bar in LA <laughs> I need to read Sandman again. More Lucifer. Lucifer uh, solo series. It's good shit. 
because there's a lot of existential conversation on the purpose of life as well as the cause of good and evil because Lucifer does not believe himself to be evil. So where if he is the source of all evil, is he really, really evil? What is evil? Talk like that. Yeah. How do we define those principles? And we get a nice little one scene, <laughs> scene one shot with Todd, Tom Stormare, Peter, Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare. Yes, in this movie, who does a nice little unique representation of the devil. Pretty enjoyable. Least favorite part of the movie. All right, then. Oh, fuck! The cat just attacked my hand. Emerson, you're being a bad boy tonight. <laughs> does not respect you your opinion. He, yeah, what are he's you like, doing? Peter Stormare is great, you asshole. <laughs> I, I had to get him to the side of the couch, and he just jumped up and said hello. And You're finally, being a bad boy. Don't meow at me. <laughs> and finally, we have one less character to talk about. That is the big man himself, Constantine, premiered in Saga of the Swamp Thing, number 37, 1985. Alan Moore, Stephen Bissett, and John Totalbin. So John is a well-loved and well-adjusted Boy Scout. I'm just messing with you. Uh, we're looking at one of the most complex, vastly interesting characters ever put to print in comic book form. And he was supposed to be just Sting, a Sting cameo in a comic book. John Constantine is a character who knows everyone and how to get out of any situation. Originally, just a morally abject sorcerer in the Swamp Thing storyline, the Hellblazer title which ran for a whopping 300 issues, fleshes out his car caricature into something utterly unique. I think you meant character there. Eh, caricature's fine. No, it's not. Whatever, I don't give a shit. Uh, You're drunk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Constantine. Uh, <laughs> I'm not smoking, though, because he's known for his chain-smoking and typical trench coat attire with loose tie. John is somewhat of an adrenaline junkie and humanist, believe it or not. Out to do right in the world, but due to his cynical nature and abrasive attitude, his solutions end with mixed results. Uh, see Chaz's story from earlier. He is described as one of the most powerful sorcerers in the world, but actually rarely uses magic preferring instead to outwit his foes with cons and his own wit, of course. Described as having a weirdness magnet of an aura, crazy situations find him, and his life in the arcane arts has cursed him with getting those he cares about injured or killed. One time, a demon literally murdered a dude sleeping next to Constantine in order to wake him up and asked, was he a friend? To which John replies, must have been. He's dead. He's able to pull from multiple circles of friends for help, but getting attached to someone only increases their likelihood of dying. Among That happens a lot. By like issue 30, half of his friends are dead. Also, he botched an exorcism in Newcastle that led to a little girl being dragged to hell by a demon. Incidents like this sort of damn your soul 
and makes him wonder if all the lives he saves are worth anything because he still fucks up. And a damn little girl goes to hell. A damned little girl goes there to hell. There we go. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> there's, some, there's some verbiage there. I might have been drunk while writing this as well, and I'm interpreting it. You must it, have been. And I'm interpreting it as uh, as dr- drunk as well. So <laughs> fans are getting a treat. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they are. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> wow. <Rude. laughs> Inter- internal torments like this uh, make his life so interesting to read to see he really just livens up any story. And In fact, the entire Hellblazer run is a great read. As well as I liked NBC's Constantine, which was a fantastic show in my opinion. And let's get that bitch a second season. Question: As the NBC show is the second, or you know, the most recent interpretation, did they get away with as much smoking as they could roughly eleven years ago? Yeah, Constantine's a chain smoker, and the FCC does not allow you to advertise smoking in programs. All right, um, in cable, uh, like Mad Men gets away with it, but networks like NBC, do not get away with it. So there's a lot of scenes where Matt Ryan playing John Constantine is just putting out a cigarette. Clever. Networks have a lot of clever ways to get around weird rules like that. Mm -hmm. I only ask because to see a further movie representation of the character, I believe that's even tougher with the MPAA these days than it was back when this movie was made. So, well, just a little ad- yeah, just admit that you're going to be R-rated and then just do whatever the hell you want. This movie managed to do that and still turn away a profit, which is kind of astounding. Was this rated R? Yeah. Oh. Right. Interesting. It really didn't feel like it all that it much. It didn't feel R-rated. But it was. So yeah. let's get down to some R-rated music. In that weak ass segue to Skyward section. Your country thanks you. <laughs> uh, yeah, R rated music, eh? Your country spanks you. Yeah, uh, just like Daddy Midnight. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, if you're going to have R rated music, I suppose a good composer to pick would be Brian Tyler, who you will remember from. Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, Avengers Age of Ultron, who teams here with Claus Bedelt, who we talked about with Catwoman, and whose name isn't actually the toilet that we had previously discussed. Um, we liked Claus Bedelt stuff in Catwoman. You we were did. like, oh, this is shit, and then you played and we're like, no, wait. Oh, wait. Let's all take a moment. <laughs> that was a banger. A no, no, I'm... Not his stuff. I'm talking about his name because oh. Ben was confused with the bidet. <laughs> That's right. As opposed Listeners, to the bidet. Please yeah. go back and listen to Catwoman. <laughs> Do yourselves a favor. And then use a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> and then listen to this first clip. It's called Hell Freeway when Constantine goes to hell. And it's, for some reason, a freeway.
give my opinion on that song with mixed reviews. It was pretty good. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of tough to talk about the music of Constantine because in watching it, it felt like it played so little of a part in the film. Like, so much of the film was just so quiet conversation and then random screaming, screeching, explosion sound that felt really cheap. And music just kind of appeared in the background once in that, you know, now and again, which I suppose is what it's supposed to do, but it really doesn't have that much of a presence here. And, well, it's challenging because you go, all right, Constantine is in hell, and he's going to be in hell by himself. He's not going to do a lot of talking, so therefore we need music. Give me the sound of hell. That's what this was, though. Yeah. That sounded apocalyptic. It would sound apocalyptic for about three seconds, and then it just sort of... Right at the end. Yeah. Just like a bunch of chaotic drums and sort of mild screaming, and I was tensing up a little bit, but it was just boom. It just dropped off, just like that. That's where the scene ended. I could, yeah, I could honestly bring up about ten different sounds of what hell could potentially sound like on a music level, and they'd be more memorable than anything here. But, you know, this is one of, uh, I believe this is one of Brian Tyler's earlier works. I don't know of anything before this one. And Bad Out was also pretty early in the game, you know. So, I don't know. I don't know where they were at their career stages here. How was the Wolverine soundtrack? <laughs> Solid. Yeah, I don't know. Is Would we say so far this is better than the Wolverine soundtrack? Marginally. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's listen to this last clip I've brought up and title's theme and see if that sways things one way or the other. Slap some RZA lyrics onto that song, and that could have been in Blade Three. Yeah, it's the it's the dream of many men to oh. appear in Blade Three. <laughs> I, like, so yes, when I think Constantine, you've got and you want to go with the angels and demons fighting each other story arc part of Constantine. That's fine. That's definitely a part of his whole occult uh, spin. But then your music is like techno rock, 
simply because it fits the mood of all this mid-2000s crap of techno rock, because yeah. Electra was the same way, Blade 3 was the same way. I'm like, I want Gregorian chants. I want this to feel like you're really testing the boundaries of religion mythology. Or, you know. Hector Berlioz, Symphony Fantastique, Fifth Movement. That's what you want. Yeah, I want something. Conversely. You feel that you're trying. Conversely, if you want an actual Angels and Demons sounds, I would recommend Tom Zimmer's soundtrack to Angels and Demons. That's full-on Gregorian chant, exciting music. This, like you said, it's the cliched mid-2000 sci-fi action movie. You're going to get a cliched mid-2000 sci-fi action score. That's just what it's it got, is. It's got that, it's got that mid-2000 sound that we all love. <laughs> this movie would not be the movie that it is if it if it had a composite score. Would you call that industrial rock? It's a little industrial, yeah. It it makes me think so, just because you know you look at the movie and then you notice that they included a perfect circle song, which is kind of industrial in its own <laughs> way. So it seems like that's what they're going for. Yeah, they could have added, I mean, just all the solemn stares that Keanu Reeves gives people. You could have added some nice songs to go along with that to sort of improve that performance, maybe. <laughs> okay. They should, have had, they, they, they should have had Will Smith play Papa Midnight so that we could have gotten a Constantine ah, rap. That would have been nice. great. Nice. Uh, uh, Wild Wild West, Men in Black, etc., etc. Wild Wild Constantine. Okay, I'm going to use this example. Um and I'm going to reveal when this episode was uh, taped also. Last night I went and saw Jason Bourne. It's a decent movie, not as good as the previous, you know, the initial trilogy. But the music is so good and propulsive that it pushes things along and makes things thrilling. This is the opposite of that. If this movie had that, it I would have enjoyed it exponentially more. Well, exponentially of two. <laughs> a someone took college algebra. <laughs> you can't just say exponentially and have it mean a lot. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. That's not what exponential means. Well, thank you, mathematician. Yes, thank you. Baseline, exponential, whatever. <laughs> it's better. It's better than the bottom. Speaking of mathematicians. Let's talk about uh, math in Constantine. That's me. Um, no. There's a lot of math going on in this film, if I remember correctly. No, there's very little, actually. Because, <laughs> you know, the science behind angels and demons and mystical arts of the occult. Right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always tricky to do a science section when there's occult stuff involved, because it's like, well, fuck, what can I say? Demons aren't real? <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just, you know, piss off the people who listen who believe that they are, and that's fine. That Shit, is fine. We, we could have talked about exorcisms. Damn. Oh, I wouldn't want to. I know you wouldn't want to, but... And they are kind of a real thing. They, they do happen. Yes. I'd have to do some reading to see I what's really going on. I apologize for you into this very moment. 
and and sometimes when they happen, uh, people die, which is the basis of 2005's Exorcism of Emily Rose. But I'm just plugging 2005 at this point. What about um, you know? I got some. Speaking of exorcisms, like at the very beginning of this film, I got some of like the Exorcist vibes because it starts off in the desert and someone finds something related to the occult. And then they're like, oh, shit, this is going to come into play in the very last scene of the movie. Oh, quick question. They find something in the desert of Mexico, right? They find the Spear of Destiny. Is it Mexico? Yes. It's Mexico. They are in Mexico because that dude walks from Mexico to L.A. Uh, Okay, that was lost on me. I thought it was like the Middle East because it's the Christ Spear or whatever it's called. He walked there. Not not only that. See? Not only that, it's covered in a Nazi flag. Yes, Nazi it's Germany. Yeah, a Nazi swastika flag in the middle of Mexico ruins. Sure. When was the Third Reich in Mexico? You can make it make sense and have it be like Brazil because a lot of ex-Nazis uh, you mean Argentina. are treated there. Argentina? Sure. Okay, Sure. fair enough. Boys from Brazil, though. Same thing. Either of those. Mexico makes no sense. Mexico you know what else makes no sense. You know what else makes no sense? Um, twin sister Isabel in hell still having her um, hospital arm bracelet even though she let it go before she died. Hmm. Moving on to lung cancer. I just don't want to deal with this shit. <laughs> let's, let's talk about a different kind of cancer. <laughs> yes, lung cancer. Constantine has lung cancer? That, that, that. Yes. Yeah, that's that's why there's all the gross coughing sounds that he makes. Um, lung cancer is a real disease, believe it or not. <gasps> um, and yes, uh, and like most cancers, it uh, occurs when you have some cells in your body that cells divide, but these ones just kind of don't stop. They're supposed to stop once they reach you know, the right proportions and distribution and whatever. And cancer cells just keep dividing forever, and they form tumors. And so lung cancer is when this happens in your lung. And uh, it's pretty deadly. It's not good. Uh, I think the five-year survival rate is like 15%. Uh, I'm looking it up. Do-do-do-do. But, I've, heard, but, I've heard you need your lungs to uh, survive. Yes, uh, lungs are actually what... Uh, what the fuck is my cat doing? He is going insane. I don't know why. You're not giving him attention. I must be. Um, but yeah, um, our listeners may not know this, but you do need lungs in order to absorb oxygen from the air, put that in your bloodstream, and deliver it to the rest of your cells. But smoking, you, you put, you put uh, smoke... Right, yes. Carbon dioxide? Or? Uh, um, yes, there is carbon dioxide. Uh, more importantly, there's a ton of carcinogens, which are chemicals that cause cancer. Okay. Um, tons of nasty stuff. What's causing the cancer, right? These carcinogens, like, basically trigger your body to, say, double up those cells, baby, just keep them doubling? and. They, they interfere with your body's ability to... So, like, when your cells start dividing... I don't have a biology degree, so I'm... I'm sorry for... This is, like, temporary questions. biology. Um, but basically, your cells divide, 
And if they divide improperly, your, your body is supposed to be like, hey, that's not right. Destroy that cell. And then they come in with the SWAT team and then, you know, break down its door, shoot it in the head. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So you, it doesn't grow out of control. Cancer is when your body doesn't shut down these cells that are dividing more than they should fast enough. Um, okay. And so these carcinogenic compounds, for a variety of different reasons, prevent that from happening or encourage it to happen, however, whatever side you're on. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, smoking causes lung cancer. Um, it's 100% true. Don't smoke. If 80, 85% of lung cancer cases are directly attributable to smoking. That's a crazy amount, ladies. 85. Even just like living with or working with someone who smokes and inhaling that smoke passively, secondhand smoke, um, will increase your risk of getting lung cancer by 20 to 30%. Keep that in mind. So Don't go out like Constantine because you cannot make a deal with the devil. This is why... Smoking is banned in like restaurants and stuff in Minnesota, because like yeah, you have the right to smoke, but other people have the right to not inhale your secondhand smoke and get lung cancer from it. Ta-da! Uh, so we want to talk about sulfur dioxide. Feel free if you. Because like whenever he kills a demon, he'll be like, oh yeah, it smells awful, and then what's her face is like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, that's sulfur, and she's like, yeah, I'm gonna puke. But yeah. why is sulfur always attributed to demons? Because it smells bad. Yeah, and demons smell bad? Uh, and because sulfur is released, um, the main cause of sulfur dioxide uh, in the atmosphere is from volcanic emissions. So if like, you go to Yellowstone mm-hmm. or like Hawaii and go up to a volcano... You'll often smell like this rotten, this pungent, like rotten egg smell. Mm-hmm. That's the sulfur dioxide, and so it smells bad, and it comes up from holes in the earth that lead to molten rock. So it's it's what hell smells like, basically. I would also I would also posit that eggs smell like sulfur because you know eggs, whatever. And thus, they are a weapon of the devil, because if you've ever looked a chicken in the eye, you'll know what I'm talking about. You might go to hell, because looking animals in the eye sends you to hell. Don't ever look anyone in the eye, <laughs> especially if it's driving a car. Because mm. <laughs> no. Like, if you look at someone in the eye, if you make eye contact with someone while they're driving, they will shoot you. Jeez. <laughs> I, I learned this in driver's ed. <laughs> No, my Asperger's is all over that, so don't worry. That's a fair amount of science for the time being. Ben. Yeah, that's a bit too much. Thank you for your contribution. Thank you for your contribution. We're going to move on to... Oh, uh, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, we're going to move on to... I'm not quite sure what the proper response there was. We're going to move on to Tricky Game Rules which I didn't write any down because this movie was so bland. I mean, it's not like fun things happen and you get to sort of enjoy those-ish. Now that I'm thinking about this movie is kind of bad, it just contrasts with Elektra and Catwoman and Blade. 
Trinity. But like the action was still decent enough to watch. Is the thing. It, it was. It was not excruciating. Yeah. Hey, super fans. Hey, better movies are on the way. We promise. Yeah, thank God. We're, oh, we're, we're in the drought. We're just like just drudging through this swamp. Bottom. Thank God we had Mad Max in the middle of it all, though. <laughs> I might. I might actually have resigned and drank myself to death. Yes, drinking accidentally is- apparently, like in this movie. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, uh, drinking is the acceptable segue into this section. Yes, speaking of drinking yourself to death, take a drink every time. What's her name? That one chick. Isabel. No, her twin. Uh, some of the. Yeah, I don't know. Take a drink every time Isabel's body double is submerged while wearing a white top and black bra in water. Because <laughs> it happens like five times. Oh, it really does. And uh, always with a white top and black bra. God, what is her name? Angela Dirk. Angela? Angela, Angela Doonesbury. Angela yeah. Doonesbury. No, Lansbury, sorry. Okay. Oh, there we go. This movie would be so much better if it was Angela Lansbury. My God. <laughs> you know what? I gotta respect this movie for one thing. They every time you thought, here comes the cliche main male actor gets together with main female actor, boom, never happened. Baton switched it every time. He was always looking past her, and I went, you know what? Respect Constantine. Because John Constantine doesn't do that shit. Good job. I agree. That was actually a respectable point. What wasn't as respectable as the next drinking game rule. Take a drink every time it goes from super quiet to screaming fucking loud. (laughs) Another reason you should maybe not respect this movie, um, and another reason you should drink, is for the super whorish product placement when they show you a Chevrolet ad for like seven seconds, it's just on screen. It's too late to not buy a Chevy or something like that. Yep. Drink. Every time you're thinking in your head, all right, Shia LaBeouf can die now, right? LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Thank you. It did not come soon enough. Take a drink every time Tilda Swinton, or for that matter, Rachel Weisz, shows up, and you're impressed that this actress built a respectable career after this movie. Tilda Swinton rocked in this film. Let's not give her any shit. What what character did she play? She played Gabriel the Angel, and she freaking killed it in my uh, It was a good performance of a bad character. Yes. Yes, That's okay. exactly what I mean. Why did I like this movie? I can't think of a, like I can't think of all that much good to say about it. It kept you. Kept and yet, while I was watching, I was like, "This is engaging and entertaining." Yeah, like it was just it was fluff. It was decent fluff. Yeah. It was just like it knew exactly what it wanted the whole time. All right, that's something we haven't had for a while. Uh, a lot of unfocused movies. Yes, a lot of unfocused. But this movie was like, we're doing an angel-demon thriller. We've got the plot. Here are the characters. 
We know what we want to do from point A to point B to point C. Let's do it. And, and like, suck all the life out of it. Yeah, I guess. You know, but have a consistent tone. Mm-hmm. Even if that tone is kind of boring. Yeah, but it was it was like a put-together film. Nobody should really be admonished for what they did in this movie because everyone stuck to their guns. It's better than The Phantom Menace. Yes. Not as good as Dread. Take a drink. Oh, fuck you. Uh, No, wait, I'm sorry. I heard you wrong. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Take a drink whenever you want to watch John Wick instead. It's a better movie. Then go watch John Wick. And then just go watch John Wick. Just watch John Wick. Or In fact, finish the bottle when you get fed up with this movie and just want to watch John Wick. Which is right now. True Believers. Glug, glug, glug. Finish your drink. Oh, there he goes. We're killing strangers. Ah, so I have a second beer left. Mm. All right. We got that Moon Man by New Glarus. Horish product placement. I just said that one earlier. Drink responsibly, children. <laughs> but only if it's Shock Top. <laughs> <laughs> only if it's Captain... Morgan mixed with Diet Coke. Only if it's New Galaris Brewing Company. <laughs> I had to drive all the way to Wisconsin for this. I know. Only if, we should, only if we should demand these three brands fight to the death for us. <laughs> oh, man, you know what we should do? Our plug. We should contact Captain Morgan, Shock Top, and New Galaris and say, hey, give us dollars and we'll whore out your products. To our 40 listeners. To our Hey, you know, two dollars. Our listenership has dropped recently. In case you hadn't noticed, it's the mid two thousands. I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. We'll straight up be Daddy Midnight's and pimp out their alcoholic beverages. (laughs) I regret. I regret ever saying that. Daddy Midnight. <gasps> Looks like that'll wrap it up today, Super Fan. Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by Triop Cop Productions. Special announcement, real quick. This episode is the first one of August. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Not. Which means next week. Next week. Shit's coming out first on triopcop.com. <laughs> I am currently unemployed. All right? Join the club. Yay! I've got a lot of stuff to do, but a lot of that stuff to do will include updating the website to the best of my ability. One day a week will be devoted to just putting crap on this website for at least like four days. Okay. I just want to keep that in mind, which means that if you want your super movie studies first, before anyone else, try Triopcop.com. T-R-I-O-P-C-O-P.com. It's where you will find it. I know it's been pretty shambless lately, but it's all going to change. It's all going to change. And if you don't mind waiting an extra week for your daily dose of superhero movies, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, why don't you drop a rating or a, or a uh, review? Is that what they're called? Yes. We yes, want- a rating or a review helps other people find our show, and it means the world to us. 
And you can check us out anytime on Twitter at Super Letter M Studies. Super M Studies. Our f- great friend Twitter Tom keeps things whatevering on there. I, <laughs> he keeps so, it 100. He's so great. We love him. Um, and also give us, um, I don't know, constant tween quotes um, with John Wick. Constant tweets. Give us constant tweets. Hashtag constant tweets. That is the Twitter challenge this week. Hashtag constant tweets. Constant tweets. We are looking for quantity, not quality. Of anything at all. Hashtag constant tweets. Never has my spoonerism been so useful. Um, (laughs) Oh, also... While you're at it, go check out ShoutsMoMovies.com. I've got reviews up for at least Ooh. three of this year's uh, superhero movies. I'll have it a review up for Suicide Squad before too long, and everything will be great. I'll share them on Facebook, with, whether you want me to or not. Fools. Uh, the subject matter of constant tweets are what do you think Keanu Reeves is doing right now? You can also, as long as we're pimping our own stuff, Skylar... Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Benjamin Jack Anderson. No dots, no spaces, no underscores. <laughs> I'd pit my own shit, but this is it. Hey, you don't have an Instagram? No, I'm too oh. busy with this shit. How are you going to post pictures of your cats, then? I don't have cats. I've got oh. a podcast, baby. Could you okay. go to tryopcop.com and find show notes, episodes, the schedule, all this fun stuff, drinking game rules, as well as if you want to get on the show, get involved. Run the website for me. Oh, for the love of God, do that. Studies at triopgop.com. It's our email address. You want to give us some serious proposals and not just funny, funny tweets? Email us. But that's it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. Roger Skyler James Houtsma. <laughs> And Ben Anderson. Ben Ben Reeves. Ben Queeves. Biano Reeves. And we all hope you have a super week day. Shit. Bye. Super week day. Dead as dead can be. The doctor tells me. But I just can't believe Sure of you're a villain.